You are Locked On Cougars. Welcome into a Thursday edition of the podcast. Hope you guys are all doing fantastic out there wherever you might be. We have a lot to cover ahead on today's show. Could the NCAA and BYU's future in the NCAA look very different? Well, if a new committee that has been spearheaded by the NCAA has their way, it would look very different. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk BYU basketball recruiting. I sent out a cryptic tweet yesterday. I'll give you all the details of what I know about what's going on with Mark Pope and his recruiting efforts in the transfer portal and And, of course, we will catch up on everything else going on in BYU Sports News, including another member of our Top 50 countdown of what we call them the old-timers, the players before the independent era, a hard-hitting safety, one of my favorite players in BYU history. We'll get to his legacy on the gridiron ahead on today's show. So without further ado, let's get rolling here. A quick reminder that today's show is brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline has covered all season long with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. That's BetOnline.net, where the game starts. All right, without further ado, though, here on this Thursday, let's dive on in. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for April 28th, 2022. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, my friends? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah, as the executive producer of DJ and PK in the morning. And a huge thank you for taking some time to join us right here on the Locked On Cougars podcast and making us your first listen of the day. We are very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where, of course, the motto is your team every day. And as such, this is your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Free and available wherever you get your podcasts. We are relatively still new on the YouTube platform as well in video formats. If you happen to be looking at me, I'm going to point down here in the corner. There's a little subscription button. If you're just checking us out, hit that button, subscribe, uh, enable notifications, share, like, comment, all that fun jazz. Continue to support the podcast. A huge thank you for doing so in advance. All right, let's talk some BYU sports and kind of in the bigger picture. Yesterday on the show, we talked a lot about Mark Emmert and his resignation as NCAA president. Well, Sports Illustrated and Russ Dellinger, who by by the way, if you guys don't pay attention to Ross Dellinger's work, I would encourage you guys to make sure he is a must-read for me. This dude gets after it on the reporting front. And he has uh, revealed that there is a 21-person, what they're calling a transformation committee for the NCAA, that is tasked essentially with making the new uh, organization of the NCAA and kind of setting the framework of what it's going to look like moving forward. They have five new proposals that are radical in many, many ways and very much would affect BYU football basketball and pretty much every sport under the BYU athletics umbrella and across the entire sport 350 plus schools at the division one level so I want to talk about each one of these real quick and kind of give you my hot take on them if you want my hot take number one the first proposal would be uh, eliminating scholarship caps on sports that only offer partial scholarships. So this would not directly affect BYU football and BYU basketball as the 85 members of the BYU football program, they're on scholarship, they're on full scholarship. Same thing with the 13 players on the BYU men's basketball team. They are full-ride scholarships. That's not a partial scholarship. This would affect the other sports, though. Baseball, men's and women's volleyball, soccer in the women's side of things. Every sport outside of football and basketball, 
you could now get rid of uh, having to have only, I think it's in baseball, 11 and a half scholarships across what is typically a 35-man roster. Some guys get nothing. Some guys get books. Some guys may get a full ride. You have to parse it out. Now, essentially, what you could do is you could make all 35 members of your baseball program full-ride scholarship recipients. Obviously, that comes with an added cost because as a university, you've got to foot that cost, but it would make for a very interesting dynamic. Would would the SEC go out there with already very, very good baseball and softball programs and decide, okay, we are going to look at uh, potentially adding full rides for all of these athletes under these umbrellas? I could see it happening, and how would it have a cascading effect on the rest of the conferences and the schools across the NCAA? I believe it would have a very, very big impact on the recruiting front for all those sports. Think about it. If BYU, for example, is only offering a kid books, potentially, and some hotshot program out there, I don't know, insert state, Nate, university here, comes to him and says, guess what? BYU is not offering full scholarships for our baseball program, or you could insert women's tennis, men's and women's golf, whatever it might be, and say, we'll give you a full-ride scholarship. You'd be dumb not to take the full ride. BYU may be your dream school, but if you can get all your school paid for, get all the added benefits of having a full scholarship, why wouldn't you take that? Very, very interesting times ahead. Now, the second thing here is affecting BYU football in addition to BYU basketball in addition to all the sports. Number two, abolishing the limitation on the numbers of coaches per team. Nick Saban and Alabama are absolutely salivating, licking their chops. That dude has enough, uh, what, what, what you would call them, uh, the, what are they, the analysts, that's what they are. Now, if you were able to have unlimited coaches, what, is Alabama going to have a coach for every single player on their roster? That seems a little hyperbolic, but it's very much a possibility. Right now, under NCAA guidelines, you're allowed to have 11 full-time coaches on a football staff, one head coach and 10 assistants. You could essentially create it where, okay, you abolish the limit, and suddenly Alabama's got 25 coaches. BYU could maybe go to 13 or 14 coaches. It's a very interesting proposal there, because that would take a lot of these guys that are the Nick Saban school of rehabilitated coaches. Well, he'd make them full-time coaches, have them be an assistant to the assistant to the assistant line coach and call it a day very interesting if that one gets passed because you can guarantee lower level programs lower lower divisions uh g5 programs even some of the power five conferences are probably sitting there thinking oh my gosh if the if the sec is going to make a hundred million dollars per school per year and they can reinvest that into having unlimited coaches oof, very interesting that's one i'm not sure everybody's going to get on board with But you know Alabama, the SEC, the Big Ten, they're sitting there. Yes, go for it. Number three, expanding direct payments from schools to athletes. We're seeing this already happen. Uh, We're seeing the Alston case uh, is now essentially giving schools carte blanche to offer what they're calling um, education uh, expenses. In essence, at Ole Miss, for example, the Ole Miss Rebels, if you remain eligible as a student athlete, you are eligible to get nearly $6,000 in extra funds from your university. I do not know if BYU is making these so-called Austin uh, payments right now. I need to dig into that a little bit, and I will do so, and I'll report back on what I hear from BYU, if anything, on that. But essentially, they're going to just essentially say, Okay, schools, you can give athletes more money in this format, that format. Maybe just completely abolish it and essentially open it up where these schools can just pay athletes directly. That makes it a professional sport, and obviously these students would now have tax liabilities, which they already have with the name, image, and likeness agreements. But 
interesting that they're essentially saying we're just going to we're going we're not going to take it away we're actually going to expand payments from schools to athletes that also adds to the recruiting element uh nick saban comes into your into your house for example and says young man i can offer you this much money to come to be to, to alabama and you'll be able to uh, get this much money while you're there and he can't, he can't offer it but he can mention while you're at alabama you can make this much money and it's probably a significantly larger sum than say little old byu over here and it's hard to say no to that. Uh, really, really interesting. Now, number four, reconfiguring the recruiting calendar. I am in full favor of this. This, I think, goes directly to the football side of things because the recruiting calendar, you have open periods, ex- evaluation periods. We're currently in what they call an evaluation period. You're seeing a number of BYU uh, coaches out and about offering athletes. And we'll talk more about those athletes on tomorrow's show. I was actually planning on talking about them today until I saw this story. But... This was an evaluation period. They were in a dead period. Then there's a quiet period. And then there's an open uh, recruiting period. You need to simplify it. That, that's the biggest thing. Is you need to simplify what the format is. Is it an open period where offers can be ex, uh, can be offered? Can guys come on campus to visit? All that type of stuff. You just have open periods and dead periods. You just make it black and white. That's what you need to do. This whole quiet period, oh, you can have this period where you can have guys reach out to you, but you can't reach out to them as a coach. There are so many convoluted rules with the recruiting. It needs to go away. I'm actually in big favor of revamping the recruiting period. And then finally, this one's very interesting. Number five, implementing closed periods in the NCAA transfer portal. In essence, what they're saying is they want to open it up maybe two or three times a year where athletes can enter the portal, and then at that point it closes and it's shut off you can't enter until the next one opens. They're thinking after the semesters. I would actually say you probably do it uh, in fall camp, so in in training camp in August, maybe into September. You have in that two-month period. Then you have after uh, the season, you open it up for a little bit around the recruiting windows uh, in January and early February. And then I would have one after spring ball. So essentially right now, the month of April and May, you'd open up then. I would have those periods open, but very interesting on that front because right now it's open season. We talked about this is that May 1, this coming weekend will be the deadline for athletes to enter the NCAA transfer portal and remain immediately eligible for this upcoming season. It'd be very interesting to see how they adopt this. And I'm going to expand on all of these. I think it'd be actually really fun to talk about each one of them. I'm going to see if I can do some research on this and may touch on those throughout next week's editions of the show. But this is just wild to me that they're considering eliminating scholarship caps on sports that only offer partial scholarships. You could have a softball program that suddenly has 25 full ride scholarships where some of these smaller schools suddenly are like, well, we can't afford that. It's going to open the divide, the haves and the have nots. This would make it absolutely insane to be at the G five level and try and compete with the uh, FBS power five types. And that kind of goes back to what we talked about yesterday. Jack Swarbrick, all right, tricky Tanner asking the question. He says it's inevitable. The split is coming. I think you can point, I'm pointing at my screen while I'm doing this, but you could point directly. If this stuff goes through, this is what will cause that quote unquote schism, that inevitable breakup of division one and probably a creation of what a new era of college sports, maybe one or two new divisions. It's There's so many things that are still to be determined, but this is just, man, I look at this and I'm like, wow, that is absolutely revolutionary. Just crazy, crazy thoughts. But the NCAA is undergoing a massive transformation. And this transformation committee, it's got 21 people on it. They did not want to comment on any of this, but Ross Dellinger has sourced it enough that I completely trust his reporting on this. this that guy is like the gold standard when it comes to reports. 
crazy, crazy times ahead in the NCAA, and we'll continue to cover it here. It's going to have an impact on BYU. There's absolutely no doubt about that. All right, coming up here in just a moment, we'll talk a little bit about BYU basketball recruiting. I sent out a cryptic tweet yesterday. I am holding the information for the podcast, reward the listeners. I'm going to throw it out on social media and just let everybody have at it. Those of you who listen to the show or watch the show will get the details next. First, though, let's talk about our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is the number one source for all of your betting stats and sports information needs. I'm going to pull this nice little graphic here. Uh, Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season now at BetOnline.net. They are your continued source for all of your sports wagering information for live betting, on the playoffs, esports, and more. By the way, I just saw this. I talked about this earlier this week, but you can get 250 to 1 odds for BYU basketball in the NCAA men's basketball tournament next year. Not too bad. Maybe you want to put five bucks on it and see if you can recoup your money in a big way. It's a good way to give it a shot, my friends. Head to the website today. That is betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action available to you now. It's all courtesy of your friends at BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, let's talk a little BYU basketball recruiting, the latest I have heard this week. And I sent out a cryptic tweet yesterday. It was kind of a long face, kind of exasperated look on uh, the Locked On Cougars Twitter feed. You can follow us at Locked On Cougars. My personal Twitter feed, if you'd like to get my thoughts, is Jacob C. Hatch. Always love hearing from you guys and interacting with you. But I I, I got some information yesterday, and let's just let's run it down. There's three things I want to touch on. So first off, Frederick King, the big man uh, from the NBA uh, Academy in Latin America, Walter Ruiz, his head coach, the former BYU assistant, has apparently been unable to uh, get to get King to think that BYU is the place for him. Everything I'm hearing, there's very high smoke, flames if you will, that he is going to announce a commitment to a uh, to Creighton later this week at some point. It could happen by the time you're listening to this podcast. It could happen at any point, but it appears that Creighton, the Blue Jays, are where Frederick King is slated to go, and that's a bit unfortunate if you're a BYU fan because I thought Frederick King would be just an absolutely insane impact guy for BYU. I think he'd be a starter right away. Creighton, I don't think he starts. I think he sits on the bench for at least two years probably with the Blue Jays. BYU, he'd probably be a day one starter. I'm not saying that things can't change, but all of the intel that I have heard is that Frederick King is going to be going to Creighton, so uh, BYU loses out there. Second thing, Rudy Williams, the sharpshooter from Coastal Carolina, the former Kansas State and Chanticleer, uh, sharpshooter, I am hearing very, very good things about his chances of landing with BYU. He still has a couple of visits to go. I believe San Diego State is one of them. But if everything goes according to plan, I think BYU you could have very uh, good hopes of landing a guy like Rudy Williams. I actually think he'd be a phenomenal fit in BYU's offense. He shoots the three at an extremely efficient and high clip. Think Alex Barcelo type numbers at 40 plus percent, 45 percent in certain cases. I think he would be a day one starter for BYU. Obviously, he's a grad transfer. He's not looking for anything less than that. The only problem with Rudy Williams, he's only got the one year remaining. He would take you through the final year of the West Coast Conference, but then you're right back to the board in terms of searching for your guards that will lead you into Big 12 play. Maybe at that point, Dallin Hall and some of these return missionaries, Richie Saunders, etc., are up to speed and ready to take over at that point, but it's a pretty big ask. So um, I, I think that if you were to ask me between Frederick King and Rudy Williams, I think BYU is going to land Rudy Williams if uh, everything goes according to plan. But like I said, 
all of this could be completely null and void by the time you watch this video. It's just how quick recruiting changes. And I'm so hesitant for so many reasons about going out there and throwing things out on the internet and then having it come kind of blow back into my face. It's just, it's a, I get I'm stepping out onto a limb when I report stuff like this, but I'm going to give it to you guys on this podcast, but with the caveat saying that recruiting, it changes seemingly with the wind. That is what can happen. But the latest intel I have is that Frederick King is going to pick Creighton. BYU is going to finish second there. But if everything goes according to plan, Rudy Williams may end up as a BYU Cougar. Now, that brings me to my third and final point. Antoine Davis, the uh, the big-time scorer from Detroit Mercy, he is coming in on his official visit to BYU this weekend. He's supposed to arrive in Provo today. I would assume he stays through at least tomorrow to check things out. And I would love to see Antoine Davis in a BYU uniform. I'm telling you, he would be the what second coming of Jimmer Fredette and Danny Ainge with just his ability to score the basketball. That's the biggest thing about him. He can just absolutely fill it up. He's a bucket getter of the highest order in college hoops. And I know that he's been playing at Detroit Mercy and you're like, well, that's a lower level, even lower level than the West Coast Conference. I don't care. This dude has gone over 40 points four times in his career. He has a career high of 48 points. We all watched Jimmer Fredette just over a decade ago do what he did for BYU. I think Antoine Davis could do that again for the Cougars. I truly believe that. But everything I'm hearing is that BYU is probably going to be in the finalist group. He already is. He's in the top five. But BYU is probably going to finish as the bridesmaid in that race as well. So, if everything goes according to what I am hearing, BYU is going to go one for three on Frederick King, Rudy Williams, and Antoine Davis. You're going to bring in Rudy Williams, but then you go back to the transfer portal and start looking at other options. The, all, is, all hope is not lost. Let me, let me be very clear about this. BYU chased some big fish because Antoine Davis, big-time scorer. Rudy Williams, very efficient shooter. They obviously have options. Rudy Williams is going to check out San Diego State. Guys like Antoine Davis, there's strong rumors of him and Kansas State being connected. Frederick King, Creighton's going to be a preseason top 10 team. It's hard to uh, recruit against that in many ways, saying that, well, we'd like to have you come in and uh, be our be our big man that helps us battle Gonzaga, whereas you go over to Creighton, they're like, well, we're going to be in the top 10. You play in the Big East, which is one of the Power 6 conferences at this level. I know that BYU will be Power 6 in a couple of years, but you can do that right away here on one of the elite teams in college hoops. It's hard to recruit against that if you're BYU right now. But if you get one of these three, and I think Rudy Williams, as I said, is probably the most fa- is the favorite of the three to land with BYU. I still actually like those odds. Uh, Gary Anderson, the former Utah State basketball coach, told me once upon a time, he said this on air with the Zone Sports Network with DJ and PK, a good coach is one for three on his recruiting evaluations. You get one of every three that pans out. If you're two of three, you're an elite coach and you're probably getting big money at some Power 5 program. But if you're 0 for three, excuse me, if you're three for three, well, guess what? You're going to be a head coach and you're going to make millions of dollars. But if you're 0 for three, suddenly you're out of a job. He said it's really that simple in many ways. So one for three is the batting average. BYU currently appears that they will be shooting in this uh, batting average shooting. I'm just mixing and matching metaphors in that regard. But uh, it'll be interesting to see where this all shakes out. But I think if they do uh, land Rudy Williams... 
all hope is not lost. There is still so much uh, of a talent in the transfer portal. I'm sure Mark Pope will continue to come through it. If he is not already, I'd be stunned. He has been traveling all over the country. I've been trying to get him on my radio show, and trust me, I've been in contact with his people, and he is all over the place, recruiting, evaluating, visiting, doing everything he possibly can to bolster this roster for next year. He understands the task at hand as BYU gets ready to join the Big 12 in just over a year's time, but very interesting times ahead for BYU, and I look forward to seeing how he does with the overall roster once it's finalized. But this weekend, obviously, guys will finalize if they're in the portal or not and being immediately eligible. And then at that point, BYU will continue to comb through them. And I think by the end of May, we'll have a great idea of what the roster is going to look like for BYU. And then we'll have more of a discussion of, okay, how did they do overall? Fingers crossed that BYU continues to haul in some talent, but this first crop of the transfer portal saga they've gone through, you go one for three, I'm okay with it. I would have liked to see you go two for three. In particular, I wanted to see Frederick King in a BYU uniform. I was selfish watching that young man play. He looks like an NBA big man that is just absolutely on the cusp of breaking out and would be a huge addition for BYU, but... I don't think all hope is lost. Let me be very clear about that when it comes to BYU hoops. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll catch up on the news involved in BYU athletics. Uh, BYU softball was in action yesterday. We'll recap that for you guys. Also, some other awards, et cetera, being handed out. And also, BYU women's golf finding out their postseason destination. We'll get to that, as well as highlighting another member of our Top 50 Countdown here on the Lockdown Cougars podcast. First, though, a word on our friends over at Intercap Lending, one of our great local sponsors here on the Lockdown Cougars podcast. There is a reason that no lender helps more families in the state of Utah with their mortgage needs than our friends at Intercap Lending. And simply put, Intercap Lending gets deals done. They feature a quick and simple process. They close loans two weeks faster than the industry average. And although fast is great, the ultimate goal is to help you guys have a stress-free home loan process as a consumer. And that's what Locked On's personal loan officer Intercap Lending, Steve Carter, has been delivering for years now to hundreds of Locked On listeners so far, including Locked On founder, the podfather himself, David Locke. Let's be real, my friends. If Steve can keep Dave on, if Steve can keep David on track throughout that entire process, he really can help anybody. Intercap has been working with us here for the better part of a year now, but it's not a new company. They have been assisting their customers with all of their mortgage needs since 1978. That is 44 years of experience. And Steve Carter has been working with Locked On since 2018, so he's got five or six years behind him as well. Intercap is headquartered in Utah, but licensed to help with all of your mortgage needs in more than 40 states. So give Steve a call. Throw any questions at him, any inquiry. If I did not cover something here that you guys have a question about, you can call him directly. His direct line, 385-800-8528. You will not find a more responsible loan, more responsive loan officer. Responsible works too. Once again, his phone number, 385-800-8528. You can go online to learn more at intercaplending.com. And if you'd like to reach out to me and have me uh, kind of a broker and, and, and getting to know Steve, I'd love to do that as well. You can reach out to us, lockedonbyu at gmail.com. We'll get you in touch with Steve and the crew and get you on your way. It's a really, really fun resource. And Intercap, they know how to do it, my friends. That's intercaplending.com. Once again, Steve Carter, 385-800-8528. Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. Intercap Lending is an equal housing lender. All right, let's round out today's show with another one of our top 50 countdown here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. What we've been doing is alternating each day what we're calling the independent era guys, the top 50 players of the independent era, and then the top 50 of what I'm calling the old guard. I, I don't know necessarily how to how to absolutely uh, 
describe it the right way without somebody getting offended, but we're calling them the old timers, I guess is what we'll go with. Today, I want to talk about a guy that uh, we talked about Brady Papinga recently. I want to talk about one of the guys who was one of his compatriots in that same era. We're talking the, the Gary Croton era, and that is Aaron Francisco, the Kahuku Raider himself, six foot two, 215 pounds, played bigger than that at BYU, I felt like, for all of his time. But this was one of my favorite players growing up watching BYU football. I loved Aaron Francisco's game. He finished his career with an insane 330 total tackles, 167 of them solo, had 16 and a half tackles for loss, 16 pass breakups, six forced fumbles, uh, three quarterback hits, also had a sack during his career, and also seven interceptions for his career. This was one of the guys who just was absolutely a ball hawk of the highest order for BYU for many, many years. His best year came in 2003 when he led BYU with 116 total tackles, also had seven tackles for loss that year, as well as a career-high three interceptions during that season. Aaron Francisco obviously went on to have a healthy career in the NFL, but I'm telling you, Mr. 33, number 33 himself at Alaye, Hawaii, Aaron Francisco was just one of those guys that you knew that football was in his blood. He just... He, absolutely got after it every single day and I absolutely loved watching him play ball and I cannot wait uh, for him at some point uh, to come back to BYU and be honored in the BYU Football Hall of Fame I thought, well maybe he is in the Football Hall of Fame I probably should have done some research on this let's check this out Aaron Francisco BYU Hall of Fame let's check is he in the Hall of Fame we will find out right now doesn't look like he is. So I'm assuming that he will be in the BYU Hall of Fame at some point in the relatively not-too-distant future. He deserves it. He is one of the all-timers for BYU. And I loved watching Aaron Francisco play once again. It was just so much fun to watch him go out there. He got after it. He And by the way, it's crazy to think of what he did in the NFL because I remember in the NFL draft process, when the NFL draft starts today with the first round tonight, I remember in the NFL draft process when he was coming out in the 2005 draft, he's too slow. His foot speed's not good enough. I think he was a preferred walk, uh, not a preferred walk on, a preferred free agent signing from the, uh, was it the Arizona Cardinals? He ended up, ends up signing there, ends up like starting for multiple seasons in a row. Foot speed is not all it's uh, cracked up to be, everybody. Let me be very clear about that. And we're going to talk more about the draft tomorrow. Uh, we'll talk about Tyler Algiers prospects and the chances he goes tomorrow in the rounds two or three. We'll get to all of that and we'll also have a primer for the weekend ahead for other BYU players for you guys. But Aaron Francisco is one of the guys that proves that foot speed is not all it's uh, cracked up to be. You can be a, a, a smart athlete and get by with maybe being a tenth or two slower than other guys, but you're smart, you're positioning on the field. That's what's going to get you by. It was just, it was so much fun to watch Aaron Francisco play. I just loved watching him play. I called him the Flying Hawaiian. That was my nickname for him growing up, but I. I don't remember him necessarily having a nickname during his era at BYU. If you remember him having a nickname, reach out. Let me know. I'd love to highlight that. All right, a couple other notes before we go on today's show. BYU baseball is in action this afternoon, 2 o'clock Mountain Time, 1 o'clock Pacific. They are in San Francisco to take on the USF Dons and West Coast Conference play. You can hear that game on the BYU Sports Network. Greg Rubel will be on the call. Those games will be uh, today, tomorrow, and Saturday, all at 2 o'clock Mountain, 1 o'clock Pacific, and all of them on the radio side of things. Also, uh, congratulations to the BYU Women's Golf Program. They have been selected to participate excuse me, in the Franklin Regional of the 2022 NCAA Women's Golf Championships from May 9th to the 11th. This is a really, really big honor. BYU was number 37 going in to the selection show, the selection, uh, whatever you want to call it, period. 
The Franklin Regional will be played at Vanderbilt Legends Club in Franklin, Tennessee, and will be hosted by the Vanderbilt University Commodores. Uh, BYU actually won in Knoxville in Tennessee earlier this year, if you might recall that. So they've got some juice as they go into this. I think BYU women's golf could go down there and shock a few folks because they're obviously being counted out as a lower-seeded team. Uh, they will be among the 72 teams competing in this. At the Franklin Regional, they'll be taking on Wake Forest, Alabama, Texas A&M, Duke, Oregon State, Host Vanderbilt, Kent State, UTSA, Augusta, Boston, and Austin P. So best of luck to BYU as they go about this in the Franklin Regional once again from May 9th to the 11th. Congratulations to Kerry Roberts and the rest of the BYU women's golf program. It's a really, really fun thing to see them in the regional. The men's team is participating in the West Coast Conference Championships today, tomorrow, and Saturday down there in Las Vegas and Henderson to be exact at the Lake Las Vegas Golf Club. Uh, BYU has good showing this week on the men's side of things. I would not be surprised to see them in the NCAA regionals as well, but they've got to perform this weekend. They cannot have a bad weekend in the West Coast Conference Championships because they're already kind of on the fringe on the men's side of things, even more so than the women's team was. The women's team was 37. I think men's team is inside the top 50 but not above 40 so you got to have a good weekend at the WCC championships for Bruce Brockbank. All right, a final thing, BYU softball blanked Southern Utah 12-0 to win the season series sweep in that. Congratulations to the Cougars on that win at Cedar City. They beat uh, Dixie State yesterday. Uh, the day before that. So BYU getting a nice uh, two wins in Southern Utah, and they'll be headed back home uh, to take on, I think it's this weekend, yeah, they will be taking on Santa Clara, uh, hosting a three-game series this weekend at Gail Miller Field. By the way, if you want to go out and watch BYU softball in action, you can do so. It is free. Uh, you can, there's no tickets required. You can just show up, watch at Gail Miller Field, one of the elite venues, I feel like, at BYU that doesn't get talked about enough, but I am biased because I am married to a former BYU softball player who played on that very diamond. All right, so there you go. That is everything you need to know about BYU sports on uh, on a Thursday. Tomorrow on the show, we'll talk more about the NFL draft. I want to talk about Tyler Algiers' prospects a little bit more. I also have some details. I, I was asked on YouTube earlier this week in a comment for some updates on Samson Nakua, James Empey. We'll share all of that on tomorrow's show. Get you ready for the weekend when it comes to BYU and their prospects in the NFL draft. So a big thank you for making us your first listen today. Rejoin us tomorrow. Now, if you want to get up to speed on everything you know about the NFL draft, check out the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. It is a fantastic resource, bringing the draft to life every single day and it is their time to shine this is the weekend to be on top of it so go check that out it is free and available wherever you get your podcasts until tomorrow have a great rest of your day this has been the locked on cougars podcast for april 28th 2022 and we will talk to you guys tomorrow